Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yo, son! One F is life. It's not the one you should be underestimating. It is! Godzilla, King Kong, Loch Ness. We rap nerd now here, right? Like, I can tell you were a nerd. It's primal. And that's raw Carhartt girl. Speaking of sneaky big tits, are you out there fucking? I'm doing that. Years ago, I bought a millionaire Brooklyn. This was years ago, bro. Years ago. Years ago. Years ago. Cypher Sounds. Peter Rosenberg. One F is life. Hey, one Eppers, the guys took this week off. But here's a classic episode from 2014 with Funk Master Flex. Enjoy, and we'll have a new episode next week.
Speak louder. I'm Say it with your chest. I'm nervous as hell right now, but uh, you're here at the live one Epstein in Brooklyn. I'm fucking shaking. And I'm um, going to introduce you guys to the hosts of the greatest hip-hop podcast in history, Cypher Sounds and Rosenberg. There you go. Make some more noise for Billy June, guys. How was that? I can't believe he did that. Yo. Hello. Hey. Oh, that was fucking classic. <laughs> oh, man. That, I cannot believe you actually convinced hey, me to do that. Hey, that was amazing. Hey, hey, Flex, could you stop, DJ? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yo, make some noise for DJ Juanito, the tallest oh. Mexican. This is. Uh, we have Jen from Brooklyn. Make some noise for Jen from Brooklyn. We have Hip Hop Mike. All the Juan Epstein ne'er-do-wells. And guys, thank you Ladies very much. Ladies and gentlemen, K Fox. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Too soon. <laughs> um, guys, oh, welcome to Super Week. That's what this is called, Saif. Super, Super, Super Week. Super Week. Super Week. New York Super Week. It's leading up to New York Comic Con. Yeah. There you go. All right. We have some virgins here. Comic-Con. Comic-Con. Like the comic book convention? It's not, it's not quite just a comic book convention. I don't but know that's if they what have... It, that's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, similar. No, because somebody emailed me and was like, can you get my friend into Comic-Con? And I was like, oh, is this like a comedian version of Comic-Con? But then I was like, oh, no, that's probably how you spell it. Comic-Con. This is Comic-Con. Yeah, it was the first time Because when you say it, it sounds like comma. Yo, comma. do you realize how far you just took me back when you said comic book convention? Well, that's what it is. But that's what Comic-Con really is. Can you turn my mic up, Mrs. Do we have a sound man? We do. Um, Can you turn my mic up a little bit? Yuri, that's his name. Yuri's Yuri. the sound man. Oh, yeah. Yuri. Yuri. Oh, yes. you just turned yes. up the monitor. I get the trick. I get it. Well, he's got to do our levers. We're recording this. Like, this is a live One Epstein podcast. The levels, the levels, the levels is good. Yes, exactly. Um, anyone here who has uh, been a Juan Epstein lifer, like you've been there since the very beginning of the podcast? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I don't believe you. 
No, I don't believe Why that. not? Thank you, that guy. Thank you, fans. Thank you. We've really, we've really gone full it's circle. Dude, it's dude heavy. What are you supposed to do? What did you think this was going to look like? I be some hot chicks. Juan Epstein, hot chick fans. Fucking dude. You realize that we've really come full circle? Because when we started the podcast, we didn't know each other. Right. Then we really hung out all the time. Yeah. Now we don't know each other again. Right. I never right. see you. I like it. I like it this way. You actually look excited when you see me. You're kind of yeah, like, hey. like, now it's like when you don't have to work with you every day, it's like, oh, roll the bird. <laughs> This is nice. This is a nice venue. It is a nice venue. It doesn't fit Juan Epstein's style. I thought we'd be like in a, like a gutter somewhere, like a basement. No, this is a Look, classy there's a, there's, affair. There's a couple of chicks, but they're not paying attention. That sounds Juan oh. Epstein-ish. Yep, that's good. The girls here, but <laughs> not, not paying they are attention. Not paying attention at all. <laughs> that sounds about right. Oh, shout out to um, we have a one of my favorite Juan Epstein's in recent years. Yes. Steve LaBelle is here. Shout oh, out to Steve, Steve LaBelle's LaBelle. here. Yeah. Steve people LaBelle. people love the fucking Steve LaBelle podcast. Yes. Thank you for getting me on that uh, Bone Thugs TV One um, Unsung. That was good. They, I heard I set it off. Whoa. Yeah. You were on TV One? TV You're one, about to baby. be out of here. Crazy. You out, Shia. Crazy. Guys, you been I, a fan since day one? Day one. Okay. What's your name, sir? Maurice? Sounds about right. Black Maurice? Sounds about right. <laughs> it's true. Lots of Black Maurices. Um... Now, do we have anyone, anyone want to just express to us, before we get to our guest, of course, we're going to bring him out in a sec. Um, any favorite, anyone have a just clear in their mind favorite Juan Epstein of all time? I'm curious, always curious about that. Russell Simmons? Russell Simmons that, you know, you're right, how you know he was new? You knew he was new. Yeah, Russell And what? And Jay-Z. Okay, I'll take Jay-Z. I was coming. Aziz? Aziz. Oh, I just interviewed Aziz today. You did for what? Yeah. Oh, on the on the ra- on He's the phone cool. to promote his show at MSG. No, he was live. He came in. Yeah. And you didn't even hit me up to come do a one app. Oh, I didn't. We could have done a one app before the one app. I didn't think. But I was hoping we would book him before the show for one a return. Did he remember? Or did he act like Hollywood? I'm sorry. No, he was good. He remembered the ET thing. You remember when he snitched on Jay Z? Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. And fuck ET is right. Yo, the fact that there's no fuck ET shirt is so nuts. I was just thinking that. Why don't we have a fuck ET shirt? Because we don't have anything. We don't have anything. We have this. We have this. Look at this. this is we amazing. have the real deal. Any who's, this, who's this nice young lady here? Is that your girlfriend? No? A friend? Okay. Are you a one Epstein fan or did he drag you here? Oh, you dragged him? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's got a, he got himself a keeper. Hey, yeah. I want to give a, a quick shout out, actually. Please. Um, to an unsung hero of Juan Epstein who's here tonight. My, you've never even met him, mm-hmm. but he's the, the reason we've been able to keep the podcast afloat for six years, whatever it's been. My web guy, Jason oh. Patterson. Oh, I heard of Just him. Make some noise for Jason Patterson. He has worked Where is he? endlessly. Where are you at, JP? Where? Uh, oh, there you go. Oh, VIP. Oh, classy. Hi, Mona. VIP. All right, so um, what do you want to do here? You want to get set this shit off? Which we have Mo- a big one ep week. Who's Mo- Mona? Which His Mona? wife, man. Oh, hi, Mona. Just chill out. Okay, yeah. They have a child together. They're married. I, t- I said hi, Mona. I know, but I felt like it was going to get weird. No, um, she's not a fan. How do you know she's not a fan? I know she's not a fan. Um, by the way, we have, we're doing another one up tomorrow and Friday. This is like a monster yeah. kind of week for one up. Yeah. You think it's a jinx? If we, I was going like, to preview it and tell the people here who we have, but is that like a jinx? Well, it's a full moon and Mercury's in retrograde. Oh, shit. We so can't I do wouldn't it. No, even. not doing it. Not doing it. They're good, though. They're very good. Very different. Is there like a pond out there? There's a pond. 
There's a pond. And you're going to love this? Here's what I heard about the pond. I heard that at the K. Michelle show, many people fell into yes, the pond. Yes, That's always there? There's always a pond? Uh, yeah, I think so. So there's no standing room? It's just... Well, no, they freeze it in the winter and there's ice skating. <laughs> it's very small. It's just very small. It's like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> um, do you want to do the intro? You, who would you rather fuck? Uh, I don't... The this... movie star or Marianne? Who would you rather fuck? Uh, movie, movie star, star. or Marianne? Movie star? I go Marianne, plain Jane. I gotta I be go honest, sometimes your references are so old. Like, that's even you don't too know old Gilligan's for... Island? I mean, I do, but like, I don't remember. I mean, she was a movie star, so I guess that's a good look. Get yourself in TMZ or something. Marianne. Marianne. A lot of people agree with Thank you on Marianne. You. Thank you. Um, so you want to bring our guest life? Yeah. Do you want to do, do, do the intro? Normally I handle like, the, uh, things like this, but I think you should. Uh, why? Just because I've known him longer? Yeah, you guys have a kind of storied relationship. All right, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the man responsible for the career of Cypher Sounds. I mean, I mean the Woo! lavish life that I'm living because of this man. <laughs> no, for real. Uh, it goes Wildman Steve, DJ Riz, Jessica all introduced me to Funkmaster Flex. Yes. And his treatment of me like 12 years a slave. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's was right. just what made me I, who I am today. They made that movie about your time with Flex. <laughs> ah, ladies and gentlemen, my mentor, my friend, the guy who made everything possible, Hot 97, give it up for Funkmaster Flex. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. His shit reclines? Yeah, Flex gets the oh, Flex gets the real shit. Fire. You took a lot of cheap shots, like no, <laughs> no cheap shot. It got the little stick? No, I guess you just lean back and it'll just Okay, sorry. Um no, I'm just joking, Flex. Are you? It's my guy. It's my guy. We're gonna get to your guy's stuff later. Yeah. I wanna start I wanna start with Flex at the very beginning. What I think is the thing that makes you happiest in the world. Some of us get to see it. Everyone who follows you on Instagram sees this. Okay. The love for DJing. Yeah. And who introduced you to DJing and music in general and how that I just want to jump in real quick. He has never listened to a Juan Epstein podcast. No, no, I know. So what we do is we get in-depth into the history. Well, I have never listened either. (laughs) I've never listened to a Juan Epstein podcast ever in my life. So we're in the same boat. But we get in depth. We want to know even shit I don't know, like the beginning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this guy. Sometimes I don't know if he's serious or not. <laughs> nah, I'm being serious. Okay. Um, beginning. Yeah. You talking like before Chuck Chill Out beginning? Beginning. Yeah, beginning. The first memories you have of getting put onto this music and DJing culture. All right. Um, all right. When I was young, I wasn't allowed. To come outside. Mm-hmm. I swear to God. My Strict parents? parents? My parents are Jamaican. Mm-hmm. They came here 1963. Don't worry about when I was born. No, don't worry about <laughs> They came here in 63. Look, it's Wikipedia. I was born in 67. Shh, anyway, so. Oh, my God. Oh, then um, 
I wasn't allowed to go outside. This must have been the 70s. And the older kids, I lived in the Bronx. So I lived on Dorema Avenue by Baychester. And the guys that were big in the neighborhood at the time, my block was Slick Rick lived on the corner. I lived in the middle. And Chuck Chillout was dating a girl on the other side of the corner. So Wait, Slick Rick, literally, they, do you knew him before he was Slick Rick? We knew he used to. Uh, we knew he used to rap, and I remember him. We were playing baseball. He was walking up the block, and one of the older kids said, "Hey, I heard you're gonna be at a jam. I heard you're gonna." He said something. I heard you're gonna be someplace with Dougie Fresh, and and I guess that was before he met him, oh. and then. Chuck used to drive through the block. In case you, you know, Chuck Chillout was, uh, for me, uh, he, he, at the time he had a, a show on, um, on Kiss FM on a Friday night. And that's where I really get that whole West Side ride down the West Side Highway. Because I used to ride the West Side Highway with Chuck Chillout and I used to drive. I was his gopher. Mm-hmm. So that means go get the hamburgers, go get the... You know, whatever it was that was possible. And that's how you got to hung out with somebody as popular as him. So that was like my introduction, at least to the whole radio thing. But prior to that, when I couldn't come outside, because as you see, I have a problem talking about that part. (laughs) My parents were Jamaican. It wasn't cool. Are there any um, West Indian people in the house? When I was a kid, no one would have made any fucking noise. If you just said any Jamaicans in the house. It wasn't cool. Oh, it wasn't cool be, back then. They snapped on you in school. They called you a beef patty and a cocoa bread. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's what, you know, so I didn't really say a lot that I was Jamaican. So I wasn't allowed to go out. And what made you popular back then was if you had the latest Cold Crush Brothers tape. So in case you didn't know who, does anyone, I'm just curious, does anyone know who the Cold Crush Brothers Grandmaster Kaz, JDL, Easy AD, Almighty KG, DJ Charlie Chase, and Tony Tone. Saif, how many of those guys could you have named before if someone said name the Cold Crush Brothers? Two. Two. Yeah, me too. I'm at two. So they weren't just... Why it was important to have their tape was their tape had all the cool slang. So in between the routines, you'd hear like the word fresh... Or they'd say what street was popping or what borough was popping. But they were playing parties two, three times a week. So how you got the attention of the older kids on your block is if you had the most recent Cold Crush Brothers tape, you were the man. You controlled the box. So, But what were the tapes of? They were DJing or they were performing? Were they DJs? Like were they DJing the parties? They were DJing and harmonizing mostly off of a song called Rocket in the Pocket and a song called Love Rap by Spoonie G. So that was my understanding. You know, he was the... Grandmaster Kaz is the first person I saw wear his hat like this and (laughs) his feet. I'm going to show you. Please. He was the first one I saw stand like this. His hat was cocked to the side. <laughs> and if you went to a party, you know, 
people like Kumo D, or people that were important, made sure that they said hello to him. So that's when, you, you know, you know, in case anyone ever lies to you, Grandmaster Kaz is the originator of the word fresh. Mm. He was the first one to say it. That's it. There's nothing else. So that was, I always, so I, I didn't have the tapes. I don't even want to lie. The older kids in front of my house, I had a big tree. And my parents, because they worked a little harder than the rest, had put up this brick concrete in front. So the kids used to come there and sit, the older kids, and they would play the latest Cold Crush tape. So I was able to go to school for the kids who were into, uh, into hip hop and not have the tape, but I could sing and harmonize the most recent routine. Mm. So that's how I began to get a name for myself as a person who knew hip hop. And then I started buying those records. And you know, Charlie Chase was what DJ Premier is, I guess, to your generation. You know, the needle never slipped. He, he, he had a lot of pizzazz, the girls was on him. You know, that was, he was, who was cool. That's who Jam Master J wanted to be like. When I used to talk to Jam Master and Run DMC, they used to say that's, they had to be as good. You know, I mean, everyone familiar with Run DMC? Yeah. If you're not, and I love them. Leave. I love them. They are the Cold Crush Brothers on steroids. Mm. I love them, though. They, the great job. That DMC, JDL. No one else was mm. having letters as a name. That was his name is Jerry D. Lewis. That is so <laughs> fly. <laughs> <laughs> He's so the grandest of them all, Grandmaster Kaz. Crazy. So did you then just go out and start buying records? Like you were just like nobody's oh. gonna harp on the fact that his name is Jerry Lewis. I just, I know you fucking awesome. I know you'd be excited. Jerry about that. D. Lewis. All the other MCs can't deal with us because we are the four known as the Cold Crush. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy when I used to come out of car. <laughs> um, so, yeah, how did it go from that to the record buying and the, and the DJing? Um, hmm. I, gosh, I can't remember these turntables. I had some turntables prior to, before I got techniques. And... Um, I started buying, rec I used to get $4 a day lunch money. So, crazy, right? <laughs> Your parents were working hard. $4 a day. Crazy. Because you had a bus pass. So, every two days, I was able to buy doubles. So, there was a store by the bus stop in the Bronx. I mean, I'll tell you what it was. It was Moody's in the Bronx over by 226, so every two days, so I used to not eat lunch and buy two pieces of vinyl. My first record I ever bought was um, Davy DMX, One for the Treble. It was the first thing I purchased. So I used to purchase, you know, records. Do you, how did you days. know, how did you know about buying two copies of records and things like that? Like, how did you even know that stuff? I saw, I, I went to the Valley Park in the Bronx I don't know if it was Flash or Grand Wizard Theodore, but how that used to work too is the Jamaicans ran the park. The hip hop, when I used to go, was a segment until they started letting off. Oh, no. Or 
it was like enough of this hip hop. We're gonna get to this ragamuffin. <laughs> so I, I went to Valley Park, and I think I think it was Flash or DST. I, I, but he was cutting uh, he was cutting the record clean too. I don't even think he was cutting. He was just keeping the beat going. And don't let anyone lie to you. The reason the reason why you become a DJ is it's actually like a little four-week process. A what? It's a four-week process oh, four before week, you right. become a DJ. First, you try to break dance, and then you have you know have no right. rhythm. Yeah. yeah. And that, no, I know you, the feeling. Because you want to know what element where you can fit in. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work. Then you get a pen and a paper, and you start saying, well... There's only a few positions here. There's the DJ, the dance, and then the rom. Okay, I can rom. And you start writing, and you recite something to somebody, and they go, no, nah, that's what. <laughs> and you leave that alone, right. and then you go, all right, this right here, yeah. this is me. And then it, you become part of the equation. And don't lie, Sipe, everyone does it. You did too. I did too. Yeah. I wrote so, rhymes. I know you did. I wrote my rhymes. I didn't try to break dance. I knew that was not even Yeah, an not even an option. Not but an it, option. I did try graffiti, though. Did you try graffiti, too? Uh, I was never good at that. I was never good at, at Yeah, at I was terrible. Coloring. Yeah. I, was, I could color with <laughs> That's not one of the elements, the though. Trace. <laughs> the fifth so, element, coloring, you know? And so then I wanted to DJ. That, that, I felt like that was a place where my feet could be still and not too much microphone. I always felt like when I first started, I was like... DJing is like a, you know, like I thought rapping was like a talent that you had to be born with, but DJing was technical. So if you practice, you could get good at it, like playing guitar, you know what I'm saying? Like you, if you just keep working, like, okay, I can't dance. That's not even an option. I tried writing rhymes. I was like, uh, these rhymes suck. And then I was like, all right, DJ, that's it, because you just keep practicing. But that. DJing in a sense, DJing sort of the hardest one because it requires saving up money, buying turn. It's yeah. spending money the whole time. And you was at the forefront. Because at the time when I came, well, I, once again, I was a biscuit then. I was one of those dudes behind the rope. Mm-hmm. The, there was to be a rope. The, it was just like that. Right. It was like, you didn't even question it. You knew what, it was very clear what side you were on. <laughs> I don't know anybody, and I can't DJ. I'm on that side. <laughs> Oh, I know somebody setting up speakers. We on the other side. That rope, rep, that was the Source magazine right there. That rope, it was, it was, it represented everything that was important. And your goal was to get on the other side of the rope. So that was what my goal was. Because back then, it only happened in the park. It didn't happen in the nightclubs as yet. So the park was the most important, you know. And Cool Herc, who was from the Bronx, and Africa Bambada. You know, they were important for me. And then um, something that doesn't get mentioned that's probably highly important is what was important back then was the Zulu Nation DJs, which was uh, Africa Bambada, Africa Islam, Jazzy J, and Red Alert. And Red Alert didn't play as much, but he taped and he was always there. So because Red was always a fixture in front of the set, even though he wasn't playing, you'll hear a rhyme and an in-between and somebody go, Red Alert, make your body work. And then they'd go back to whatever they're doing. But they would shout him so much, even though he wasn't playing. So he was, you know, 
he was uh, very influential when he got on the radio because when kids heard him on the radio, only true hip-hoppers knew that that was his second coming. Mm. Like he had had a whole career before that from the 70s as a, a hip-hop DJ. And, and I think him and Jazzy J are cousins. So, you know, Red Alert was probably, you know, you know, Mr. Magic, rest in peace, very influential, and Molly Mall, you know. I, but for me, you know, what he, he brought that Zulu Nation thing to the radio. And for people who don't know, you know, the radio was really, the first people really on the kiss back then was um, Jazzy J and Africa Islam. And they was fucking nice on that set. And, and Latin Rascals. Yeah. And they used to, Latin Rascals used to do these edits. That were, you like that, right? No, they said there's like, because Kiss FM used to be right next door to Hot 97, and I found like some old Latin Rascal um, reel-to-reel tapes. Amazing. I stole them. Music. So, yeah. and I, I have them in my house. Of course you, you do, see. and you're yeah. a hoarder, so you... Oh. I'm falling out of order a little bit. I'm just trying right. to give it to you the best way I can. Welcome to One App. No, this is oh. perfect. You're doing great. Uh, this is how you hit me? It's not generic. No generic. I'm very into this. <laughs> so, I'm very excited. So that was, I mean... To take you back, though, because I'm skipping so much in time, the Zulus used to have a radio show on 105.9. Then they used to have the Supreme Team. And they used to come, WH, who said that? WHBI, 105.9. And it used to come in so crazy, you used to have to keep your antenna a certain way. (laughs) But what was dope about them is the breakbeats, you know, the art of DJing was always going on on those shows. And it used to be on 2 in the morning. Um, I don't want to forget anybody. It was, it was Zulu Beats and it was Supreme Team. And, but Mr. Magic had a voice. And he was so stylish with it. He's the first person I heard say, the boogie down Bronx. Money making Manhattan. Like, and he would, he called himself the official voice of hip hop. <laughs> I was like, this guy's swag. <laughs> so crazy. So, you know, he's the one, um, he polished hip hop. You know, he, he polished it and made it, you know, he didn't treat it like in the parks and it was gritty. He gave it class. And uh, rest in peace to Frankie Crocker. And I'm trying to say the story the best way I can. And as I remember, Frankie Crocker had a daughter. No, 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 no. Frankie Crocker worked at BLS. He was the program director. And I think there was the lady, Mae James, who ran the Apollo. And her daughter used to listen to Magic and took Frankie Crocker down there to meet him when he got off. And I think... Mr. Magic was a little disrespectful. (laughs) But they worked it out. And I remember hearing Mr. Magic on BLS and Molly Maul. It was nuts. I knew I wanted to do that. I knew I wanted to be on the radio. I was like, these guys are on the radio throwing on records. 
eating fried chicken, shouting people. This is crazy. It was crazy to me. So, and then they were very powerful. And then uh, Molly Maul, uh, you know, from what I understand too, he used to uh, intern, I don't know if it was for Arthur Baker or big producers to get his shot or whatever. And then when Kiss FM came on, that was more me because they was from Uptown. And I think, um, you know, Chuck Chillout was, I, look, I ain't going to lie to you, my whole style and my slang and my whole swag is Chuck Chillout. Mm. Like everything. Like his everything. Like his energy. Like on, on a Friday night, he used to come on at 9 o'clock. This motherfucker used to always leave like quarter to nine. <laughs> and he'd be like, come on, man, hurry up. And his hat would be like this. And he'd be like, what you, what's in the deck and whatever. And then to, to, to see him carry his records and then go upstairs and throw on Eric B for president was amazing to me. Like, I just, I didn't understand. I was like, that guy's really up there throwing on the records. And, you know, that was, that's really where I got my excitement from. And what and liking the DJing and being on the radio and the whole you know. Stuff. Well, it's, it's I mean we're gonna we got to keep going. There's a couple things I have to ask about that, but it's crazy because and this is one of the reasons I was excited to have Flex on Juan Epstein was get to say this to you, but like that is literally I can't speak for you, Seth. That is precisely why I dreamt to get to Hot 97 was about you doing Friday Night Street Jam. Like that was it. Like I remember hearing you one night with Def Squad, right? And they were freestyling. It was the same thing that you just described it as. Y'all were just having fun, shouting out people. I didn't know who they were who are now my friends, like Big Dennis, just random name, and Mr. <laughs> Excitement, and Big Cap, and all these people. And I just thought, this shit is so fucking fun. Man. Like, this is just the most fun thing ever. Now, as it turned out, I ended up just, you know, doing a morning show, and it's not remotely the same thing. But that is, yeah. that's where I live on Sunday nights. Like when I do my Sunday Ooh. night show, when I do my I Sunday out. night show, I'm I pretending to be that. What? No, I was telling Flex I got out of the mornings. No, you're, out, you're it, off I there. It, I, know. I made it free. I know. 12 years a slave. Unchained. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, and I listened to Red Alert and Marley first. But for me, when I listened to you, I was like 14. It was different. I, I, I understood a little bit more. So how did you get into like, how did you become an actual DJ? How did you go from a guy who just had records to now you're able to play out and start building this personality? And wh when did the name Funkmaster Flex come along? And you got to tell us what other shitty names you had first. Yeah, That's a must. All right. Before I get to the names... Um, what I okay? I used to go to uh, Our Savior Lutheran. And, and <laughs> Yo, I know, I know. Look, just as you know, I, I, my parents didn't even allow me to go to public school. I would have got a beaten to even uh, suggest going to Evander Childs on Gun Hill or any. You know, I would have got a beaten. My I told my mother once because I like cars. I must have been seven. I said, you know, mom, I want to, she kept asking me what I want to be. And I was like, why is she asking me this so early? You know, rest in peace, my mom. But, you know, why is she asking me, head beating me, head beating me? And I said to her, I want to be a cab driver. And I, I said it, I said it three times. I swear to God, because I like the classic cars. And I was like, you could do this all day. Right? So in my mind, I'm like, the, I, the third time I said it in front of people 
When I got home, she beat me so bad. <laughs> don't you ever say you're going to be a cab driver ever again in front of anybody. You're great. I was like, <laughs> so why I told that story, I'm not sure. But we're Thank you for doing it. Beginning of DJing. Okay, so uh, I started, I played my high school parties. I got $40 for my first high school, bring equipment, everything. Um, Do you have equipment, though? I, I had turntables. And speakers, no, no, I had turntables and the mixer and I had everything else but the big sound system. And I had a friend named Eddie who lived on 230th and White Plains Road. And he had a big sound system, so he would bring the speakers. And I was just, I was playing, man, house parties. And, he did, you know, the wingettes, everything was happening, and I'd play there. And I, I didn't have a good knack for playing the right record at the right time when I was young. And that took me a little time to understand the throwing the fly part. But... Um, what, you just like playing stuff that you liked? Uh, yeah, I was very... That was probably my mistake. You know, even when I used to fill in for Chuck and Red Alert, I, I, I used to play stuff I liked cutting, not necessarily what the hood wanted to hear. It took me a minute to learn that. But... Um, I was playing parties, and then, oh, I was in a group. Everybody was. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear about the group. I know, sorry. Okay, so. (laughs) Well, I had a couple names, so let's get to the names. I had DJ Junebug. (laughs) That's not bad. Not bad. We've heard worse. That's a regular junior name. He's a junior. Well. I had two issues. There was a really, a very popular DJ named Junebug who used to play at the Fever who passed away. So that was off the list. And then um, I had Junior, I had my government, you know, all of that. But I, um, I had a girlfriend who was, um, she lived on Third Avenue at 169th in the bunk. You see? Oh, yeah. Ooh, it was rough. Nuts. <laughs> it was like the area. Like I'm coming from the Northeast. This is looking mad nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm shook up. It was. She lived next to a park, of course. So I think one night I was going to the 41 bus and, and there was some spray paint on the wall. And it said, I hope this guy doesn't sue me, but it was DJ Funk Master and the Imperial Three. And it was written on a wall in graffiti. And I said, that feels like me. Because <laughs> everybody had a master. Like it was, at the time, there was Grandmaster Flash, Grandmaster Kaz. And everything that was, if you was a fly DJ, you needed that. There was, like, Charlie Chase was a little out of the ordinary. And the, I had Funk Master. And there was a, a guy named Cool Chip who I was signed to. I was in a group called Deuces Wild. And, you know, we made records and stuff. And one time, Cool Chip said to me, he used to always go, Funk Master, when he said hello. And he said, Funk Master, I want to see you flex or something. I said, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go with that flex. And then, uh, you know, that was the name. And then um, I was filling in, you know, 
I filled in for Chuck Chill Out once or twice, a couple times, and the program director, I remember the program director, and now, I don't know how to explain, is there anyone in here that used to listen to Kids FM when he used to play hip-hop? Is there, I mean, yeah. like, you know, Ben. <laughs> Steve LaBelle raised his head. Duh. <laughs> Steve, he understands me. <laughs> this was, I, I can't explain, it was... I based my whole night about when Red Alert and Chuck Chillout would come on. They came on at 9, so I would start washing the car at 7, getting cleaning my sneakers around 7.30, because I needed to be like Grand Concourse or Bronx River Parkway. I had a 79.98, straight like Public Enemy. Sky blue, sky blue, and at the light, when these guys are on, and to be able to, to fill in for one of them, I knew exactly how many people was listening to me. Before the first time I ever touched town, I was like, I'm going to blow the fuck up tonight, right now. <laughs> I was clear, like, this is it. The girls that ain't been fucking me, the other niggas that ain't been talking to me, this is going to happen tonight, and I'm going to be hot. I already planned what I was wearing the next day. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get on this radio here tonight, Friday, and I'm going to be in the hood. So it, was, it, it played out the way I thought. It was like, except it was almost a hiccup. The program director, and rest in peace to John Robinson. I don't know if you remember. He was a big house DJ. He was the DJ that they called to fill in. And Jeff Fox was the air personality. And he said, the program director called. I should keep it 100 about Chuck, too. You know, back then, you know, like... Let's say he didn't show up. <laughs> so the program director said, no, Jeff Fox said, hey, some of Chuck's friends are here <laughs> that play that type of music. <laughs> wow. And he said, Chuck sent him down here, but John Robinson didn't come on yet. The program director said, let him play for 10 minutes. If he's garbage, send him home. So I knew I, I knew it, but at best I had 10 minutes. I don't even remember. I remember what I played. I played Ultra Magnetic into Jack of Spades, Karras One, Boom. and into something else. And then the guy called me and said, yeah, he can stay. Let him stay. <laughs> it was exact words. He was, it was Barry Mayo. Wow. And then um, I filled in a couple more times, but my big break was uh, BLS. I worked at BLS. Now I'm talking, this is 87, 88. I used to go to a club called Latin Quarter. You know, not the same one, though. Are you guys thinking of one? Was it, wasn't there one on 72nd Street or 96th Street? Yeah, there's one up there. The, this was in the 40s. Does anyone ever? Nobody's that old in here. Who said that? <laughs> he loves this guy. It's the same guy from before. It has to be. That's Steve. Who said that? Oh, enough. Oh, it's enough. Enough. Where are you? Enough said that? Where is he? He's up top right there. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Enough. Make some noise for DJ Enough. Yo, do you remember that, E? Do you remember it? Clean. (laughs) He said he worked at the Sabaros around the corner. So listen, there's there's a couple people who a couple people in here have been to the Tunnel Nightclub, right? That wasn't shit. 
This Latin quarter, I need to explain you how it was going down. It's awesome. The key records of the moment was The Bridge by MC Shan, South Bronx by Boogie Down Productions, and Cutmaster DC is Brooklyn in the house. Now, these records set a tone of what the, the whole movement was. This was, hmm, hmm. Okay, enough. Union Square, let me back it up. E- enough. Sorry. Union Square, same thing, but just a little bit before. So, red alert, his fucking afro was fucking perfect. Perfect. He used to wear these white leather, white, all white leather, his jeans and his burgundy and gray Latigre. And when I tell you, when this dude used to walk through the crowd, it used to part. Oh, the Red Sea. Yes, Red it used to part. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not lying. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah. This guy was the epitome of swag and cool. He used to get on in this Union Square. The, the turntables had knobs. I used to look at it like, yo, he is not going to do what he needs to do in here with those. There used to be this song, it was called Freddie B and the Mighty Mike Masters. It was on Tough City Records. This record didn't mean shit past the GW Bridge. But in this Union Square, when this used to come on and Red used to play these gunshots, he used to go... (laughs) The people would go into a type of frenzy that I didn't understand. And I remember, that's the first place I heard South Bronx... That's the first place I heard the bridge. Now, this club owned about 2,000. These are the same owners of the Shadow Nightclub today. They own this back Oh, really? Then. Same, same owners. Latin Quarter was the same? Uh, Union Square. Oh, sorry, Union Square. So, that's what you used to see. You know, I used to hear Red play Nobody Beats the Biz at 11.50. And then say he was going to that Latin Quarter. It brought me to a place that I didn't understand. (laughs) And then when Red used to come out the station, it was like 50 cars deep. Mad donkey gold chains, mad drugs and guns was out there. (laughs) I didn't even know him yet. I used to just drive by. I wanted to see him get into the car and hit the club. Then when you got to the club, it was like another 200 people out there. And he would get into that Latin Quarter. Man, New York City, when I tell you I got my whole tunnel and all my club shit, and Red used to wind up this Nobody Beats the Biz by Bismarck. It was nuts. It was like, I'm talking the whole place bouncing, the whole, I don't even think Red understood what he was doing in there. But that's, and there used to be like um, Dana Dane used to hang out in there. Eric B used to park a Jaguar in front. Rakim used to never come. I keep it 100. I think he was a little shook because he was Long Island. But 
but he was he was the he, like but he was cool i don't, I don't want to say nothing this guy man super cool like when i say cool like his whole his swag his rum you know that was like a changing of the guard but like biz used to be in there and uh melly mel battled krs1 in there it was brutal you know to see mel take that hit <laughs> but i think krs1 was you know uh amazing at the time he was uh, like and he was from our part of town and mc shan almost put the borough to sleep so it was it was key but like that was um that was probably the most influential time of my life to see like slick rick and and slick rick was in there and the ultramagnetic and and dana dane and you know, the big guys like Run DMC and Kane, they was always on tour. So this was like a local, like if you was hot in the five boroughs right. type place. So how, how were you getting in? Were you paying to get in? Like a customer? Absolutely. You were paying. just a regular person. Paying. Paying and <laughs> baking and waiting on the line. <laughs> Hamburger stats. I loved it all. It was, I'll do it again. It was great. You got to heal everything. Like, did you realize at the time was that, because we hear this, and at least some of us, like, it just, it sounds like, oh, my God. It, to me, it's, I would rather have been there than at the fucking signing of the Declaration of Independence. You know what I mean? Like, like did, mean, you, did you realize that it was history happening? Uh, see, I went through a little mini. There was a place called the Roxy where Red, Red Alert used to spin. And, and the Roxy was, like, pre, like, uh, Tila Rockets, yours, uh, uh, LL had just started coming through, like that. But but that was, I didn't know it was history because in eight that must have been eighty. Latin Quarter was maybe eighty six, eighty seven, eighty forty five was the Roxy, which Red controlled that too. But it was like still a little punk rocker ish. It was a really mix of crowds. Um, um, what's the lady? Madonna and and uh, Rick James. Lady? What's the lady? No, sorry, Madonna. Sorry, they used to they used to they used to hang out. Sorry, sorry, they used to hang out in in those places. So it was a little bit of a little bit. More, it was a little bit more downtownish. Yeah, it was the downtown shit still. It, it, but it had come up to fifty four. But then when Latin Quarter was like the crack game was a full swing. Mm. So the original Fifty Cent used to hang out in there and rob you know rob people after the spot. Oh, that's not nice. Like. Not not fifty now, but then. So it was. I, I didn't know it was history until maybe four or five years later, and I was like, "Man, this didn't this didn't stay the same." And it was, you know, my dream was to DJ like the DJ in the Latin Quarter. I, like that would have been at the time more than radio dreams. It was it was it was equal, man. That Latin it was powerful. Like, but it was connected kind of because Red would go from the radio to the club, so it was kind of like. It was like one swoop. It was crazy. So do you, at any point when you're filling in at KISS and then BLS, do you, does it become your own show ever at BLS or was it all just filling? Filling biscuit work. Biscuit work, no interviews? Absolutely not. Nothing. Well, you, you know, the golden era at, at BLS had passed. Like Molly, the, you know, the first kid... The first kid to break in 
outside of Molly, Red Alert, and Magic. I'm a student of this. Like This I know. Uh, um, was a kid named Chili Q. And he used to call himself, he used to play on BLS with, with Magic. And then Pete Rock. And, um, you know, Pete Rock was an, an incredible DJ. Like, I, um, I know everyone talks about his production, but as a radio DJ, he was mm-hmm. phenomenal. And Clark Kent used to play... Uh, you know, I know everyone knows Clark Kent for sneakers. Clark Kent is an amazing DJ. You know, like he said, he he told us. Did he tell us he was the best at knobs ever? Like yes, the, he talked shit. Mixer. I'm a close though. second. You think he's the best though? Was he nice like that? Yeah, he was tough. He was tough. So um, Clark was the first. Clark Kent was the first guy on the radio I heard play records quickly. Like, he'd play Rock the Bells and all night long, he'd get right to the break and get it off. Mm. So that was, that was it. that's where I first heard that. So then that was, that, I want to say that was 90. But um, the part that probably, you know, and this guy doesn't get enough credit for what he did because, I don't know, maybe because he wasn't on the radio long enough, but... When Kid Capri used to be on BLS. Oh, yeah. Now we talking. You, you, hear, you fucking hear me? I knew it was out of control because I heard Kid Capri coming out a fucking tasty truck. <laughs> <laughs> on the West Side Highway. And BLS was trashed then. So for him to heat that up, and he was coming on... I'll tell you when he was coming on. He was coming on 6.50 to 7.30. And if I hadn't heard him, I probably wouldn't have played the way I played because he he was like, you know, Harlem, Harlem quietly was always at the forefront of the swag DJing. You know, uh, Star Child, Brucey B., uh, Kick Pre SNS, you know they they always had like a like that whole talking with the mic and throwing the record in on time. Like in the Bronx, we didn't we didn't get, do that right. It took us a second to get that. <laughs> so Kick Pre was in Harlem selling his tapes at Willie Burger. So Willie Burger, I mean, what is it? Willie Burke is the equivalent, I don't know, Flight Club? Like, like it's, it's like, it was a place, w- Willie Burger was where every drug dealer, every fly car would, you know, stop and get a burger, and, and the crackheads would wash the car. So uh, What a deal. No, nice. no, I'm keeping it 100s. No, and no. this was, I don't know, was it 145th, 155th? What was it again? Enough. 150, Enough. 155th. 145th, right? 45th. So this was the place. So Kid Capri used to sell his tapes there. So, you know, he, he took the whole tape thing, like, to a level of, uh, you know, his persistence, his swag, the way he talked, the way he. And so when he, you know, and I shout to Jessica Rosenblum because uh, I think Jessica brought him downtown. Mm. But when he came downtown, like, no one had seen that before. Like, it was amazing to people. So, But then when I heard him on the radio, nice. I mean, this nigga's nice, man. Like, there's some time. I'm going to tell you that 
Sometimes Capri would cut and the record would jump. I bit that too. I bit it. I ain't going to lie. And it would jump. He would keep cutting until he caught it someplace on beat and throw the shit in. I was like, this nigga is retarded. <laughs> but it was, you know, you could feel like coming through that radio, you could feel like this nigga was like, yo, I don't know how much time I got and, this, and I need to make it. And, and, and that was, you know, he was... Uh, then when I saw him on TV, on Def Comedy Jam, I was like, I think I know the fucking formula here. <laughs> get these clubs on Smash, this radio on Smash, get on this tube. And, you know, I think a lot of DJs don't give him credit, but he was, he was the, after Red Alert, he was the first superstar DJ of, of, of our time. Or, you know, he was the first. Woo. And he, um, how I got my break, my big break was uh, he. There was a club called the Red Zone on Fifty Sixth or Fifty Seventh, and enough. Fifty Four. Thank you, E. You're right. Thank you Sorry, enough. man. <laughs> my street shit is bad, right? Remember when streets are? Enough's gonna get credit for fact checking, right? Absolutely. Enough <laughs> used to come there, right? I'm gonna tell an enough story in a minute. <laughs> when me and him played together. So but so this club, the Red Zone, was close to Latin Quarter, but it was different. It was a little different, but it was called Daddy's House. And Puff was well if Jessica Rosenblum was the promoter. And a guy that would later work at the tunnel was the manager. And it was Capri's house. And when I tell you he was lighting up that room, he, he but I'm a sucker, so mm-hmm. I'm going in there every week just studying what they not playing. Because I can kind of get a judge if I if he played this, but if he'd have played that, that would have. So I didn't know I was going to get a chance. I was just there begging. So I was asking Jessica to manage me, please. I remember Puff. Got so annoyed with me. He didn't even. I didn't know him well, and I was bugging him to get in the club. He said something like, "Nigga, sit down and wait. Just stop bothering me." And he was right. Stop bothering him. I mean, I understood it, but it gave me motivation. And Capri that. had just dropped an album, and went on tour. Or else I'd have never got a shot. I don't know if I'd ever got a, a big shot in a big club like that. And I wasn't first in line. It was a kid named Triple C and Clark Kent. And they, and they had a couple of weeks in a row. And I'm still in there. And, and Puff is still telling me I'm a biscuit. <laughs> and you know, Puff, he was like, it was important that he put a finger on you or say you was dope. He already knew the other DJs was dope. So I, I needed that stamp. And I think one week, Trap, uh, who's Trap, um, Ali? Mm-hmm. Trap Quest? DJ? Yeah. And Ali Q-Tip G. and Ali were playing. And I said to them, and, and Puff is drinking, and I think it was Moet at the time, there was another guy on the mic called Butt Naked Tim Dog, and I said, to, I swear that was his name. His mic flavor was tough. I don't want to, and I, and I said to Q-Tip, I said, can I just play three records, Puff's here, I just gotta, I gotta get on. You knew Q-Tip? No, no. 
<laughs> Not no. at all. No. But he knew I was next to Chuck, and he respected Chuck Chill Out. So, yeah. and I, I filled in for Red a couple times. So that's that was the that was all it was. And I remember the records. It was Make the Music with Your Mouth Biz because that didn't play in there. It was Nobody Beats the Biz, and it was Eric B for President. And I was like, every week I've been in here, these three records ain't fucking playing here yet. Why, got on. why weren't they played? They were considered like old school. No, like um, well, it older. wasn't. Remember, like even then, uh, they just see. I know some of those DJs ain't going that Latin quarter, but Ooh, me, right. nigga, I was there. Right, they didn't know how they worked in the club. So I just gambled, but I had a feeling it would hit. And I remember I got on. I sent the room into a frenzy, and Diddy came down and gave me a bottle of fucking Moet. Shit, he said. <laughs> and I knew I was going to at least get a chance and I think as it went along I got a chance but one time Russell Simmons came in and I was playing and Russell came and now Russell is super important you know you always needed his he came up and he looked over the rail and he said where the fuck is Capri <laughs> sounds right <laughs> I said I'm, I'm not sure well, is he fucking coming tonight? <laughs> it was it was mean, but that that was an imp- that was important club for Jessica and for Diddy to see me, and that was uh, that, that was like ninety. Let's call him Puff in this Puff. Era. Yeah, Puff. is anyone else? By the way, am I the only person here who is literally the fact that the, their relationship went that way is like I did not even think. That Diddy was in that position before you were already Funkmaster Flex. Like I'm mind, I'm mind blown right now. Diddy Puff was the biggest party promoter in the city. Like that was it. Like and he would rock the mic with you. Tough. He knew all the slang. Yo, I remember there was a record King T. King T was it? Yeah, King. T, um, with a bunch of Chuck jewelry, two or three fat gold chains yeah. with my name. Enough. On it. That it. That's it, right? So anytime. Puff, anytime you played a record, like Puff had a thing where a certain record, he wouldn't tell you warm up till this time. It would be a certain record that would play, and then he'd go from there. So I remember playing King T. He was like, we're going from here. Right here, let's go. Let's go. And then you got to keep up with him now. Because now he's up. He's up. So then he was like, you know, he always had, he used to, all those Mary J remixes, and I, I, I don't take any credit for it. He used to listen to Clark and Capri and those tapes, and then he would take those beats and put them under those Mary records. Yeah. Like, because we would always see the look in his eye, or he'd do some like, what was that? <laughs> and then you give him the, and he sometimes he'd take it from you, and then you wouldn't see it again. Now, Saif, I think that's a perfect point to transition to the next segment of Flex's career. Juanito, that segment. Let's start that segment off like this. Hey, girlfriend, who's that on the radio? Do you know who it is? No. It's my man. Who? Funk Master Flex. Go Flex. Go Flex. Go Flex. I know that guy. Who is that? That's Chris Mercado. Chris, Chris, Chris Mercado? Chris Mercado made it. works yeah. at the station. Really? That's his voice. So how did you get the job at Hot 97? Oh, man. Well, this is like a two-part story, because when I went there and DJ Enough... You started to fill in for Red Alert, right? So this was this was a break for everybody. Um, hmm. Wow. 
I want to say the right people. Okay, well, you know, let me tell the story, 100. So I had gotten fired from BLS. Of course. What'd you do? Uh, I mean, you know what? I could be honest with myself. I, yeah. I wasn't making enough noise out there. Keep it 100. And they brought Dr. Dre, Ed Lover, Silver D, and K. Capri. And that was, and, and I can still have that energy of how much I appreciate it, even though that all replaced me. And um, I got fired, and then, you know, Bugsy, you know, uh, Bugsy was the program director, and he kept me for a long time, probably past where he should have kept me. And uh, Bugsy always gave me good insight on, because he had seen every big DJ come along, so he had always gave me a good way on how to roll and what to do. And, you know, I, I always refer back to Red Alert because I was filling in for Red Alert on KISS. So I got fired from BLS. So imagine I used to fill in for Chuck at KISS. Then we, our whole team, we moved to BLS. So now we're on up against Red Alert and me included. So there was a wedge, you know, and, and, and you know, I don't want to, you know, Chuck and Red at the time didn't have the best relationship. And, um... I saw Red someplace, and um, I think it was called, was it not Glackens? It was Harold's someplace. It was, <laughs> these places? Not, I don't no, even know I'm what sorry. kind of business you're talking about. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know oh, Glackens. it's Glackens, you said. You know Glackens? Glackens is a drink spot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so I saw Red someplace because, um, and, I, and I had asked him. I just talked to him a little bit, and... We didn't exchange numbers or anything, but it was the first time because now I went from a fan and I was on against him now with a guy that he knows maybe he's not having the greatest relationship with. So I knew I wasn't in the best of uh, oh, cocktails. I wasn't in the best with him. So Thank you. Uh, we started good looking. This is, this is water, right? We started. Uh, Mike. It's water. It's water. Prince Messiah used to be someone who was shouted out. Yes. On Kiss. And he was another one who was ahead of his time with his swag. And Prince Messiah kind of took me in as a little son. And I was playing the clubs and doing that. And, and then um, Sammy B, who was with the Jungle Brothers, used to fill in for Red. It was a sacred spot. You know, it was something that I know what it meant to him. I knew what it was for us. And we all knew what that spot meant. And I, I ain't going to lie, my career would, had stalled. You know, I was kind of going backwards. I mean, and, and a lot of DJs were passing me. And um, Red kind of, he took his time in checking me out. You know, I could tell when he's talking to me. And then uh, it must have been, we were playing a lot of clubs together. So I would open for him in a lot of places. It was just, just building a good vibe. And then I think Prince Messiah came to me once. And he said, you know, I'm going to talk to Red about you filling in. And I was like, nah, chill, B. Because I didn't even want to turn him off. I was just happy we were getting to a better place. And Red had said to me, you know, I might, I might let you fill in for me. And this was, you know, this was, this was the difference between me being nobody and somebody. Like, this was 90, 91. I was on BLS in 90. I was, and once you're a fired radio DJ, you might as well hit the garbage pail. And K. Capri was on fucking fire. <laughs> so there wasn't even a look back at me. And then um he let me start filling in. And um I started playing some Wendy Williams parties, 
you know, like things were coming together. I think Jay Dixon was there back then and and stuff and who else? Chris McConnell was there and you know, there was a there was a good support system and then I think um I started playing a club called Home Base. And they used to even oh, and now I'm gonna keep it one hundred, they call red alert for that club. And Wendy's husband at the time, Red Alert said, nah, let my man, I'm gonna let my man Flex get that. And and he gave me I, I got the club on one night. It was Friday. And I, I wanna get this story right. Um it might have been who was in there on Saturday? I think it was Little Louis Vega and Kenny Dope. And they walked out. And then the club owner called me and he gave me both nights. And the Saturday night used to get advertised on Hot 97. So I, I was Which on. Makes sense because at the time Hot 97 was still dance and it was Louis Vega and that shit. Is that the. Yeah, well, Louis wasn't even. Louis was huge. He was huge and they, and they, uh, they convinced him to play the club, which I knew wouldn't last. But, and that was the Spanish kids. Were, the black kids were in there on Friday. Spanish kids were there on Saturday. And um, GV. Right? E. And GV's still a promoter, but he controlled the nights. And um, he controlled the promotion. And I think he had told me, he said, you know, your name was on High 97 all week. And it was on Kiss because they were advertising. And they were thinking about doing a rap show. At the time, they were playing only house music. I don't even remember, like, you know, house acts, house, everything was house. And... Joel Salkowitz was the program director at the time. Judy Ellis was the GM. And they they asked for a tape. And the tape, they asked for a tape, from, I think, from Dr. Dre, uh, of Dr. Dre and Lover. From me, from Stretch Armstrong and Barbito. I might be missing. Oh, I'm going to tell you who was supposed to have the job before me. It was a kid named Eddie B. Swift. And he was supposed to have that job, and I think either he missed the meeting, and when he missed the meeting, they started taking tapes. Mm-hmm. And he was at the SOS record pool. Is that it? You hear that, Billy June? That's a life lesson. I think so. So, <laughs> don't miss I'll the meeting. You, I'll tell you what. I uh, we made a tape, and I made a tape. E- enough. You're gonna like this story. I made a tape with no cutting and no talking. I just blended. I swear to God, I had Hammer on the tape. I had OPP. I had Real Love. And they gave me the job. And you blended and you just let, let it play. I let it play out. And I'll tell you, he gave me the call. In my, I remember he told me, I'm going to call you on a Thursday. I was in a basement apartment. It was costing me 400 a month. I had a, a 92 Beamer with 18 inches and beige interior. I remember it well. And the phone rang. I had the nasty Conway phone. Well, you spent all your money on the car. I had no money. <laughs> I had none. I swear to God, the car was a tag job. <laughs> I can say it now. What does that mean, Zyph? The, it was... Somebody it. took it from someone else. And, and that car belonged to someone else? <laughs> it was a tag Son job. of a bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> Joel Salkowitz. Oh, Vito Bruno. Vito Bruno was the Vito Bruno was the one who made the connection. Sal, uh, Joel Salkowitz called me. He says, hey, Flex, man, you got the job. 
I said, can I just call you back? Because this filling in for Red Alert is real big for me. I'm just not sure if I want to come over there. And I hung up. And Vito Bruno called me back. He said, you fucking idiot. <laughs> what? Just take the job. So uh, I went. It was from 12 to 2 in the morning. And I remember... Oh, Friday um, or Saturday? Friday. And I remember I came on. Now, after about 15 minutes... I was playing Audio 2, Top Billing, and the program director came in the room. He says, that, that, that wasn't what you were doing on the tape. <laughs> <laughs> I said, just give me a minute. Please trust me on this. I got this. And then we, we came. It got, it got some decent numbers. And then, I, you know, I ain't going to lie. That, that, those two hours was probably the best time of my life, you know, I didn't care. I didn't have an extra bill. They were giving me $130. And nice. Well, just like now. Yeah. Some a, things don't change that much. Yeah, it was, I loved it, and it was, a, it was a good time, good people. I mean, and, you know, uh, Angie, uh, Angie Martinez and, and Big Dennis were, they were key because they worked in promotions. And, and I usually used to ask them, you know, how, how do I sound? Or, or, or people, you know, they listening. And Big Dennis used to keep it so 100 with me. I used to say, Dennis, yo, they got me on out there? He'd go, no, they don't have you on. <laughs> Every week I would ask him because he would pass the, the room to get the promotional stuff. So I was like, Dennis. And every week I'd say, Dennis, they got me on? They don't have you on, Flex. <laughs> and it took a long time to, to generate some steam. And Angie, Angie used to kind of cue me too. Of, of what was like what records to play sometimes and like you know and then it started to it started to take off it started you know but I never thought it was going to be anything more I never thought it was going to be anything more than two hours I never thought it was going to be anything I, I just thought I thought I'd have this job for two years and you know I, I was uh, going to Pace University and I stopped I was going for culinary because I wanted to be a chef so what's the- why'd you give up on your Why'd you give up on your cab driver dreams? Well, my mother smacked oh, me. Yeah. So I always had the intention that this, if, it can't go on too long because I got to go back to school to get a real job. So, you know, it just, it just kept going. So at that point, you didn't think that there was a chance that the way the Funk Flex story turned out was you being professional DJ all the time on top of the game. That wasn't really in your mind. Bro, it was still Kate Capri Town. <laughs> I was just getting a little, you know, the, well, what, what I didn't, under, well, you know, there was a few people calling me, you know, Bugsy called me the first night I was on, before I came on, he says, hey, you know, I think Bugsy said something like, yo, you're the sacrificial lamb tonight, I said, I know, because it was, it was a pop radio station, and it was a CHR station, and the rap had never come out of the urban field, so a lot of record promotion to people like, yo, they're probably going to get rid of you in like six months, so enjoy it. And, you know, in their defense, there was a station, you know, KMEL in San Francisco and WPGC in D.C., they were really more aggressive than Hot 97 and played hip-hop before, like heavy before Hot 97. But, you know... We get a lot of the credit for it, but those stations were really doing it. You know, King Tech and Sway were were big, you know, in terms of breaking hip-hop. So we're in 92 right now. 
We might be 92, 90, 92, 93. You know what? At that time in D.C., PGC would do it at night, but also there was a dude who's still in the game named Conan who was on in D.C. on a station called Flavor uh, on 1580. Shitty oh. AM signal, but he was playing. Yeah, it was brutal. Absolutely brutal. My brother did an intro, though, for his show that he played. It's a pretty big moment. Wrapped an intro. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, but I've never heard people mention those uh, PGC in the vein with KMEL. All right, so those stations were also trying this. Now, by the way, people should know this is a random nerdy radio note, but High 97 is still a rhythmic station. We are not an urban station, never have been. It's, it's a weird random delineation when people will say to us, like, so in urban radio, I'm like, we're not actually an urban radio station. That's just a strange delineation that's always been there. Um, so, and, and not to take anything away from Kiss, you know, Kiss was in the market really supporting hip hop. Red Alert was huge, and that's really what you know did it. I think Hot ninety seven started playing the records all day, you know, and then it started driving up the sales because they saw the difference. I don't even know. SoundScan existed, but then they had the singles charts, so it was important to the labels. So before they went, before Hot turned full-time hip-hop, did you ever start doing more than just two hours? Did they extend you to two nights first? Um, mm. They was playing. The music was so nervous. I was so embarrassed when I screwed around the way. But I was doing Friday. Oh, I know I'm giving up my age and it. Um, you already did, Flex. You told know, your birth I know, year. I know. Um, CNC Music Factory used to have a show. Yeah. Woo. I remember they used to have a show on Saturday night. Any oh, anything goes with Kavlilis and Cole. Oh, classic. And, and there was a uh, what's the other? There was a couple. They had big house DJs, big dance DJs on. Yo, would and, CNC Music Factory do their show shirtless with just suspenders on? I wasn't looking. <laughs> um, I, I think I got an hour. So it started to go 11 to 2. And, um, and you know, uh, I went 11 to 2 on Friday. Then they gave me an hour on Saturday, 9 to 10. And, but, you know, you know, DJ Enough at this time, though, because I don't want to skip over what he was doing. He was on Kiss FM now in the week and also filling in for Red in the weekend. So I had to work hard to, you know. What keep time it. was he doing during the week? What time were you doing during the week? 10 to 12. Every weeknight? 10 to 11. Got it. Me and Enough been going at it for a minute. Right, yeah, apparently like, so. We was came up at the same time and... He was on my heels. <laughs> so I was trying to put distance between him. Of course. And then um, um, I remember playing with E. I, I don't want to forget the High 97 thing. Me and Enough played one time in his basement. I don't remember what the club was. And I played before him because I had another date. I'm trying to throw on everything before he gets on. Sucker shit. I know. That's, yo, Flex, well, how do you do that? I that's, know, I know. That's like Flair. Yo, you know, he was coming. He was coming. So I was like. Yo, by the way, I want everyone to know about Funkmaster Flex. To this day, Funkmaster Flex recently, I will not name the event, showed up to an event. The event was going on. DJs were stalling. They started playing all the records because the act hadn't got on. Flex turned the fuck around and went home. 
Well, like meaning the way that you value not playing the records before they're yeah. supposed to get played, but you had to do it. Well, he was coming, and that's might have been the first time me and him played together. So I'm thinking I got him, but for some reason he's not sweating. So I'm trying to look at his body language. <laughs> and he's not sweating. This guy gets on. I don't even think I told him this story. He throws on Pete Rock Reminisce and sends the club into a frenzy. You remember that day, E? You remember it? So you remember everything. I had else a different tonight. except the day, except the that day he showed up. Right? Yeah. So I like, but I had a different. Here, yeah. I had a different respect for him because now I took him as a threat. <laughs> you know, that's how I used to. You know, take DJs. I, you know, I take like. If their craft was tough, I love a DJ standing up to me. I like I I I may argue or do, but I secretly super respect it. Like like I like it. So well, you rarely get it anymore. Generally now, when you when you talk your shit, everyone backs away. You don't. You haven't had a good DJ to match. No, nah, I had a couple. Well, I want to get to. I can get to a couple of DJs I had problems with. Before that, but what was the what was it? We were talking about how nice ninety three, ninety four, and it flipping to all hip hop. Like, how did that come about? When they uh, tell you we're gonna, you know what? Because you were basically oh, the inspiration for that. that there was didn't... another DJ there, Glenn Frischer, who was uh, very credible with his craft, and there was a a consultant by the name of Larry somebody. Larry, I don't know who it. Uh, but. I remember there was a meeting with both me and Glenn in there, and they said, well, you're going to have to make a decision. Either Glenn's going to go or Flex is going to go. I was like, oh, oh, what do you mean? They ended up keeping both of us. But uh, Steve Smith, um, I, you know, you know uh, I'm going to tell her, I'm going to give a real story. Thank you. I'm going to give a real story on why Hot 90s. Yeah. Judy Ellis was the general manager of Hot 97. And she used to work at Kiss FM and they fired her. So she had a hard on to be the number one station in the market. Sometimes I didn't even understand how this lady, like her eyes, how they used to light up when she used to think of an idea. I was like, yo, she don't sleep. But she had, you know, Eye of the Tiger. And she brought, uh, you know, there was Rick Cummings, who's still there, was a key. And then uh, Steve Smith. There was two program directors up that interviewed for the job. It was Rick Gillette, a guy from, but he was playing alternative music. I was looking up what they were doing before they came because then I knew if I'd have a job or not. How? There was no internet back then. No, you could look at Billboard. <laughs> you could look at Billboard and see which program director was at what He's station. He's lying. Saif, he was a master of microfiche. <laughs> <laughs> he was always in the library on the microfiche looking shit up. Trying to get the scoop. Yeah, see? <laughs> and Steve Smith was, was programming a station in Phoenix all hip-hop. 92-something. And I, I work with a lot of programmers, but Steve Smith came with a curly, a nasty, nasty curly, blonde, blonde, like a, Jerry like a curl, but he's American white, hero. it looks nuts, <laughs> and a trench coat, <laughs> looking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so his first week he was here, I was only on Friday and Saturday. I didn't know him from a can of paint, and he said to me, you know, your, uh, your name slips me, but 
You know, I stood on the corner for two days, and they tell me they only listen when you're on. So I'm going to put you on every day and walked away. Shit. And I was like, I don't want to go on every day. It's not that's unheard of. But he used to stand on the street corner and ask people and listen to cars and what station was playing. And then he would come, and he was probably the first program director I've ever seen with no ego, no nothing. He just wanted, he, he had nothing to lose. He was going to be shipped back to Phoenix. And he was, uh, he was key. He, he really, he said to all him, and he's the type of guy who used to go, yeah, you know, Flex, I'm thinking, about, I'm, I'm thinking about playing hip-hop all day and walk out the room. <laughs> and you'd be like, and I remember the first day we became a hip-hop station. I called Angie. Angie doesn't remember this to this day. I said, Angie, turn on the fucking radio. We sound like Kiss FM. We're in the game. She was like, oh, okay, all right. I was like, yeah, this is our shot. And I think Angie, Angie used to run the board for me. And then, um, But she was so much more than a board up because Angie had slang and what was going on with the girls and what records they liked. So she used to be like, you know, Flex, maybe you should play. Because... At that time, I had no understanding of what the chicks liked. I was just playing like a guy, like I had no understanding. And she used to kind of explain that to me. Big Dennis, too. He used to run the board. Um, you go at 7 to midnight at right away? I think I was still no. on the weekend. Then I went 10 to 12, I think. Yeah, 10 to 12. And then 10 to 12. You know, I, I don't want to lose. Stretch, Stretch Armstrong and Bobito were a very... Very influential, uh, just like Red had influence on my club, Stretch and Barbito had a very big, I used to go to Stretch's show sometime, hang out with him, and I used to play the carts for him, and uh, we'd hang and Stretch, you know, stre- uh, I used to A&R at Profile Records, so, and, and that was a big deal back then, because not for Profile, but you know, Clark Kent was at Atlantic, and it was another DJ who was at a label. So Silver D. Silver D was at maybe Select. Select. Like, it was a big deal. So I wanted, of course, you know. And um, What record did you A&R? Any notable profile record? Nine. Of course. Um, Definitely nine. No, no, no. no um, uh, second and none. They were. Second that, and none, too? That was played in the meeting. I was the only one for it. Managed by Suge Knight. Um, they were for real? Mm-hmm. I never saw Suge up there. <laughs> Um, oh no, Zulu no, War Chant, just like you got nothing, nothing that matters. And you know when Run D. No, you you signed the um the Zulu Chant record, right? Yes, that uh, and um wait, but but got to profile. We were talking about uh, what records you did at profile. No, we're talking about uh, was we're still at we're still at oh playing the cards to stretch. Oh, uh, stretch, stretch and Bobito. You know the reason why I even had freestyles. You know on my show. You know, nobody was freestyling on the major radios, radio stations. Mr. Magic used to do it in the 80s here and there, but Stretch on Barbito used to have these two-hour freestyles. I mean, the big L, Jay-Z. And just for the record, when that happened, that freestyle wasn't shit. It was after when those two guys came into what they began to be. But um, I love Stretch's selection. I love Barbito's relaxed, you know, Vibe, and uh, you know that was that was a big influence on me going to Hot ninety seven. And you know, me and Stretch had an argument once. 
It wasn't even an argument. I just listened. I mean, he was right. I got, you know, way back when, and DJ Enough was also one of these DJs, you know, I was a downtown underground DJ always playing B-sides. And that that's what got me my name. And, that, and Stretch was that as well. So Stretch was God to guys like me. You know, like that he was doing him on that radio show. So once I started playing A-sides on that High 97, I remember Stretch called me on the phone one day. He says, yo, motherfucker. You, you up there playing A-sides? <laughs> yo, that's such a crazy thing to say. <laughs> I know, right? He said, you, you playing A-sides? Man, you don't play the B-sides no more. You ain't, like, he just disowned me he from didn't. underground rate. Like, I was no longer. Oh, you playing scenario, you're supposed to play butter. But I used, I used to play, uh, do you remember Martin Moore? Yes. I used to play as a different name on that show. Oh, yeah, I know this. Uh, I don't remember what it, uh, it was. On, on whose show was this? On, w, on NYU, Martin Moore. And this is when I was on Hot 97. So you used a fake name so you wouldn't get in trouble. Uh, well, no, the I name. still, I still wanted to understand. I still wanted to keep understand. I used, I needed to still be around that Fuck. music and bring it to Hot 97. So I told Martin Moore, I want to play, but don't say it's me, and I'm gonna play every week. So what was your name on there? I can't tell you. Oh my god! Now you on. remember it? I can't tell you. So nah, you can. Why can you? But use one it? time, Q-Tip came up, and he went. <laughs> I said, nah, you know, I'm It was I'm like just... a mass soldier or something. It was something rebel. nuts. Was it a biscuit of a name? It was tough. It was, <laughs> it was but tough. It was, it, it was, but it was, it was, um. People had to know it was you. You have a very distinctive nah, we, cut I switched, style. I switched it up. I switched up what I was playing. And it was, it was, I needed it. You know, it you, kept me fresh. You know, the irony is in that whole story is that we, you know, a lot of people, we asked Bobito about this, is part of the breakup of Stretch and Bob is that Stretch started playing more commercial yeah. shit and Bob still wanted to. So no, eventually, it's not commercial, though. Well, well, Stretch no. was playing more street, street shit, shit versus Bob backpack. was playing, yeah, backpack shit. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't commercial. It was more street. Yeah, Stretch went that tragedy fucking Montag Nori route. Right, right, right. And then... And then Bob. Not exactly commercial, I suppose. Fondalum, Cool Keith, weird shit. MF Doom. Yeah. So it's when did fucking it. fucking weird. You know it's weird. At what point did it become a thing? Like, I, I, I remember by the time I was recording you in 94, Friday Night Street Jam, the, the guy, like I mentioned earlier, it was already a thing. Like, it was something that was. People were talking the radio? about. Yeah. Like, you're. But you know what? Uh, to be honest, the radio was. Just an offspring. I mean, it was really, I mean, you know, that Black Moon, that Wu-Tang. It was really, you know, uh, the vibe of the city. And I'm trying to remember. um, Wu-Tang probably doesn't get the credit. and Sometimes Bad Boy gets it. But it was, uh, that was... I remember thanks, the thanks song, you, Pro- you know, the song Protect Your Neck was probably out from 1990. And it was on this orange label. Yeah, I have that. The original Wu-Tang Records one, right? Yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't want to take anything away. You know, Capri really played it first, like a couple weeks before they played him on BLS. 
He didn't get a chance to break it, but it st- and then it, it died, went away. And then um, it was laying there, and, and, and RZA, man, I'm remembering shit. Mm-hmm. Welcome to one up. RZA and the genius, wait, RZA was, his Prince. name was Rakim, and he had a song called I Love You, Rakim. Ooh, we love you, Rakim. Yes. Ooh, we love you, Rakim. And yeah. Genius was called something else. What no, was he was Genius. He was Genius. He was the Genius. Yeah. Just the Genius. It was before oh, before Jizza. Yeah. Okay, so they Pass used to, the bone. They used to come to the Red Zone, and I love Rizza, but he always used to smell like oils. Like, like that's right. Of course he did. Yeah, He's the right. Rizza. Anytime Peace he came God in, body, the, yo. Peace God. He used to come in the booth, but that I, I'm sorry. <laughs> And I don't think you have to be. That no, fits in. so and, and then Rakim, but I had respect for him because he was on Tommy Boy. He had a record that did a little something, and he said to me, "I'm working on this Wu Tang." But I was like, I didn't, you know, I was trying to make you my own name. Him like how you supposed to treat? No, people but I was a biscuit. I was, I was a super. Like, yo, get out no, of here. I was a super biscuit as well. We was biscuited out, <laughs> but no, we was because this was like Cypress Hill was kicking. Naughty, uh, all that was kicking. So, but um, Rizza, 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 Rizza. Okay, so um, Rizza, I was playing at the. No, the tunnel wasn't happening yet. It was the Palladium, and and I came out and I was putting my my records in the car, and this these kids, it was three or four cars. Now mind you, I'm on the radio, not playing the record. And they're driving around the block, and they got the protect your neck cranking. And I know if it's 4 a.m., you want your car clean, you're trying to catch a bitch, and you want to have the hottest record on as you circle in the block. I went back to that radio the next day, and I made such a movie out of that record, and I kept it 100. I said, this ain't really what I like. But this was coming out of every car. And the protect your neck, I remember playing it, and it, protect your neck was like, the beginning of a record without a hook and people just into the, the, the players involved and and that was between that and Black Moon and Smith and Wesson and then and the Wu Tang and all the individual members and I'm trying to remember what else you know, Jay Rue, the damager, Premier, like they were making the records that were making Hot Ninety Seven exciting. And it was the difference was Kiss didn't play records during the day. So you never heard a rap record until, I remember, every day at about 6.30 on the Wendy Williams show, they would play one rap record from the street. They would never back announce it. I would wait there all day to hear So What You're Saying, Big Payback scenario, or whatever was cracking. And then they just flew over it. It never made it to the countdown. But that's what the market was. So when the record started playing all day, Nervous Records and Payday and all these places start to pop up. And then they start to play the music. So we were just there. Like all we did, you know, and then those records were selling. You know, Hot 97 at the time was one-third Hispanic, you know, one-third white, one-third black. So you had a new audience that was hearing the music and appreciating and catching up with past. So now... You know, Dougie Fresh and Karis One and a few artists, even down with the King, Run DMC, made the transition into the next move. So it was really the artists. Like, Wu-Tang was like, you know, 
the swag. I remember one time they came on the show, and they came late when I was on late, and Raekwon was shadow boxing near the reel. So he was he had his hoodie on and he's shadow boxing. I'm like, what is he doing? And RZA, and then you know they're smoking in there, everything. And he brought cream on a cassette. And for some reason, the cassette broke. And when I used to play it back then, the second verse used to cut off. Just crazy. I like that you still played it in spite of the fact that it would cut to. off at the same time. But it was the only new Wu-Tang record, you know, to have. That was a big deal. And to have them on the show. And I remember them being the culture, even though they were from... But it was great that they was from Staten Island because it was a, a new... It was like... It was just a new place. And that was good and it was great. You know, the Wu kind of... um. Oh, it's a good way to, you know, great moment. And I think when you started to get to, uh, you know, some of the other artists that they were putting out that weren't Wu members, it became a little watered down. What? You don't fuck with Killer Army? No, no, it's tough. Shy in the Rugged Shop? Oh, I like it. No, no. But I'm just saying, like, it, it you know, it. It was great, but it... No, it wasn't the same impact as it was the first four albums they put out. Correct. Ghost and, Ray, Meth, Dirty. And I, there was Jizza. a white girl and, that gave me some because she said I looked like the dude from Kill Army. Well, then take it. Wake the fuck up. Yeah, some get Pacino, woke the fuck up. Was some Pacino yeah. or something? Yeah, she let, she let me smash because she said, you look like the guy from Kill Army. Yo, so, what did that bitch look like? Oh, That's the bad. No. Bad white chick lived right around the corner from Chelsea Diner. Imagine what you would have gotten if you looked like Killer Priest. You would have. <laughs> um, but Flex, when did when did the artists when did you I don't sense think I have that girl on my list? All right, Saif, add her to the list. When did you sense that the I forgot um, about her? Hold on. When up. did you sense that the artists started treating you different and you started becoming a guy who they had to bring their records to? I always knew those artists weren't my friends. I was never confused on that. Because I remember, and I'm not going to say names, I'll give you a bunch of artists. You know, my first run, my first run was, you know, Eric Sermon, Redman, uh, Naughty by Nature. You know, me, Redman, Redman wasn't signed yet. Biggie wasn't signed. I wasn't on the radio. And we played one night at the Muse Club. Um, it was this club in downtown. It was a nasty club. But we was, you know, the promoters was booking us all together. You know, it was cheaper. And those first round of artists, and none of those included, but what was this, 91, 92? Cypress Hill, I came up with. Because like, when I was playing Red Zone, I was playing with them on the road sometime and sometime here. And I remember... When I got on the radio, and by the time the Bad Boy era was coming, and the Wu-Tang, a lot of those artists was talking sideways to me because I wasn't playing the music and mad at me. It was the first time I realized that there's no friends here. So, No friend. Yeah, Zone. but exactly. No friend. Zone. So these are like, you know. I mean, a lot of those artists I named, you know, when they started getting to their third and fourth album, you know, it weren't the best albums. 
And, you know, Bad Boy, people used to always think Bad Boy was paying me. But that Bad Boy era, and I'm going to tell you this, I lived through every fucking era in this city from Sugar Hill Gang to fucking Kendrick Lamar. And I'll tell you right now, ain't nothing rock this city like that bad boy era. Ooh, take that, take that. Nothing. Rockefeller was close. I, you know, it was close. It was close. You know, Wu-Tang set the tone, but that flavor in your ear was a game motherfucking changer. <laughs> yes, um, it was. It, um, because it, it had a lot of Hey, this is a new flavor in you. It was a message. Plus, you know, Craig Mack, I don't remember the name of the group. Do you remember this group called Easy and Troop? Yes. Yep. And, nigga, I know my history. Select Records? No. Sleeping Bag. Sleeping Bag. Yo, Safe, get your life. Sorry. So, Easy, Easy and Troop was the name of a... Google this and get the song. The shit went zoom, 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 Tough. And this record used to play in the rap shows. And I believe, I don't know which one of was Easy or Troop, or one of those was Craig Mack. Mm. Now, me, I was, you know, Easy. I was a nigga that was always a little older than niggas anyway. So when I saw him, I was like, oh shit, this guy from Easy and Troop, this is great. I'm so happy you're back. But I don't know if Diddy knew that. But I knew him from a guy who, like, this is his last fucking shot. So. The flavor in your ear, when I heard that, that, mm, mm, I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, that that record, that was the, like, a new, like, not to take nothing from Wu-Tang. You know, Wu-Tang was tough in it. It was a whole thing. But they was coming through as a crew, you know, which was dope. But this was a dude, this this record reminded me of a record called It's Yours by T. Rock, And not because of the sound, but because of, T. LaRock was an artist in the 80s that Russell Simmons said, I want a new rapper that's never been in the music or a crew, and I want to make a record with him with Jazzy J and put it out. Boom. This was the same thing. Easy Mobile B on the beat, and, and, and Easy Mobile Easy Mo B had so many bricks and flops. Yeah. Like, what was the jazz I, shit he had? Just not blow everybody no, up. Don't even. So, but it, yeah, what was it called? Jazz, something as. The rapping is fundamental. I'm yeah, sorry, right. man. He's not hating. I'm killing him. But it all worked out for him. It, it all worked out. He no, but it was a couple bricks. It. So yeah. this was a, a producer that didn't that been bricking a rapper that's been dead in the water, and Diddy had just got fired from Uptown Records. Listen, I know, I'm, I know, I know. Y'all could talk about Diddy and all the millions in the Ciroc. He's a real nigga. The nigga got fired from Uptown Records, and Biggie got dropped. He was on Uptown. That record, as you sit back, relax, what's it called? Dreams? Yes. He said something about Patti LaBelle. E, am I telling this story right? No. He he said something about Patti LaBelle, and she was on the label. They dropped his ass, fired. Andre Harrell cleared it out. When them niggas came to my radio show, they didn't even have a deal. When he, there's that freestyle when he's rocking over impeach the president because I even said I said well when y'all coming out he said we coming out on bad boy he didn't even say bad boy slash nothing there was no slash so now Diddy's running around party promoter just got dropped and he got Biggie niggas is thinking Biggie's gonna be a brick that flavor in your ear started 
When I tell you tearing that tunnel down, it was tearing that tunnel apart. And, and, and Diddy, I never seen a nigga running through the street. Yo, Biggie and Diddy had twin Benzes, 5 Series, 20-inch, 20 up. I never seen that. Like, they was running through the city crazy. Like, when Diddy, and I'm telling you nothing, Sean, like, you can say I'm on Diddy's dick. I don't give a fuck. Let me tell you something. Puff back then, when it, like, he would, there was no internet. When that nigga said there was a party. <laughs> Whoever been to a bad boy party in here, don't fucking lie to me. You remember what it was. Yo, 4,000 in the street on, yo, I think Diddy's doing something tonight. That's how the shit used to go. Yo, as DJs, we used to beg to play. We knew it was going to be, it was, I never seen champagne and ice. Yo, his street team? Yo, I was in the Palladium. I had a, I had franchise, street team. Loud had a street team. The bad boy street team, the nigga jumped off the second level into the crowd screaming bad boy. <laughs> yeah, they used to the street havoc. team game was over. They used to wreak havoc. You know what those guys was. Yo, they would press you like. <laughs> and then Diddy would even be around. They all talked like Diddy. Walked like. It was crazy. I've never seen it. <laughs> that era, nuts. There's nothing that shined in that city. This, that's what, that's what brought the money, the label deals, everything. I, li- I was like, when you got a record, when you got a record from this guy, if you played it from the week, it was already smashing the tunnel by the weekend. Yo, one time Diddy did 500 ladies free in the tunnel. When I tell you, 5,000 people showed up. I never played in a place that was, yo, they was hanging from the pipes in that bitch. <laughs> he, like, I mean, I just never seen, now the Jay-Z was great too, but it was cool. It was mad cool. But it, was it was more cool, less frenzy. Yeah, it was heavy lyrics though. <laughs> yeah. So t- well, talk a little about your uh, relationship with, what's your relationship with Jay been like over the years? Uh, you know what? Why'd he get so high? <laughs> How'd y'all know that was going to be a nasty one? You know what? They've had their ups nah, and downs. Nah, I, know, nah. I you know. know what, you know what it is about? I can say it about me and him. We've been around the same amount of time. So it's like a, I got to see you. You got to see me. We're still here. <laughs> you know, but he was, I, I played his records when I was on BLS. Him and Jazz. And then, what else? I mean, I mean, I mean, he's cocky. I'm cocky, too. You know, so, you know, we, we kind of like. So you have times when you bump heads. You know what? I don't know if it's bump heads or, you know what I'm going to take? I'll talk to him about something. We'll, you know, we'll want to do something. If he takes a little time to get back to me, I go, all right, when he wants him, I'm going to take a long time to get back to him. <laughs> and we always remember who did something last. I don't know why. Like, he'll, he'll say something to me sometime that reminds me, like, yeah, remember, like, when you said, uh, all right, well, man. No, when I, right, when I, I A&R flexed. Cypher sound, Sounds name drop coming up in three. Listen, Ooh, no, Tunnel album? Jay-Z told me never to name drop. See? When I, when I A&R flexes 
Tunnel? Second album. Volume two? Uh, I don't remember, but whatever. We used to do everything. So many of us don't remember which Flex albums we had. Well, there was a few. There was a fucking few. I was a slave back then, remember? Uh So, uh, went to D&D Studios, and he told Jay, he would just I would go to the studio while he was still on the radio, and the artist would come and be like, here, Flex said, pick from these three beats and write to it, and then he'll be here after midnight and whatever, whatever. So Jay walked in with Dame. Jay walked in and goes, where Flex at? So I was like, oh, he's still on the radio. He said to pick one of these beats. He's like, I ain't fucking picking one of these beats. And walked out. Just fucking left. Everybody else did that. Pun, Joe. Everybody else did that. Volume two. And Jay just fucking left. I was like, that guy's an asshole. (laughs) No, volume two. Volume two. Did it eventually get done or no? It got done. But then I, then but I he had to be there. But I, 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 I make sure I missed a couple sessions. It's just, <laughs> just what it is. You know what? He, I get it. He's cocky. Yeah, you guys are similar. But yes, I ain't gonna lie. I think that's what it is. It's similar. But I respect him a lot, and I respect his grind. And you know, his back was against the wall because once again, that bad boy, and that 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 bad boy was shining bright. And for him to be able, you know. I make jokes about Dame Dash. Oh, yeah? I do, but... Sometimes you say even not jokes Dame about Dame Dash figured out something. <laughs> Dame Dash figured out how to sell records in the bad boy era, which makes him a genius. You know, because that, that was hard. Very hard at the time. And I don't know what their personal... You know, look, people always... Nobody stays together for 20 years in their friends. I don't give a fuck who it is. That something happens. Me and Sife hated each other after like three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's why it works so well. Right. <laughs> so whatever that might be, but Dame Dash was a very, like, you know, Dame Dash used to walk by me in the club and everything. He used to say, yo, man, you're fucking up. I'd be like, why? JC, you sleeping? <laughs> and I'd be like, what do you mean? Nah, you just sleeping, B. Like, he... He was, you know, a uh, very. It was a. It was a different tag team. It was a cooler, you know. But they they put out good records and too. And you and you guys also had some huge moments together. I mean, he he gave you their monumental freestyles that he did with you. Records you did together. Records you supported, of course. Um, there are a couple things I, before we wrap up. We got to get done sort of soon. That I'll be remiss. Play the. Do you have the Letterman? Play this. What's the origin of this? I saw this live. You did? Funk Master Flex Night. That's when the real fun begins. Funk Master Flex Night. Yeah. Hard to get a ticket. Hard to get a ticket. Hard to get a ticket for Funk Master Flex Night. Funk Master Flex. Funk Master Flex. I used to always hear that and be like, when did David Letterman talk about Funk Master Flex? Like, how did this happen? What's the story behind the drop? I think Rosie Perez was... um, and you know when Rosie mentioned your name, you're hot. She was scorching. Yeah, I, white man can't jump. This is yes, and I think she was. He was really making fun of me though. Right, yeah. it's sarcastic, right? Yeah, yeah, I think she said, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the Palladium on Funk Night." She was Flex telling Night. a story. And, of, she and was for some reason, Palladium. I don't know why I don't talk about the Palladium because I love the tunnel in Latin Quarter so much. But I guess the Palladium was uh, to some people meant something. But what did she do? Uh, she was, she was on Letterman. Yeah, she was on Letterman. She said it, and he said, "Yeah, I'm sure it's hard to get a ticket to that." Yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't remember. I was just on Hot Night Seven, and we 
took it and somebody, I forgot the guy, one of the producers, he produced it. And flipped it, made it sound like it's bigging you up, but really it's our I had a Howard Stern one. I don't oh, know. yeah. I had yeah, a house. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that one too. He was snapping on me one night. Uh, he just he just did it to me last week, Saif. Did I tell you that? Did? I talked what about something it? on my wrestling podcast, and someone gave him the clip of the wrestling podcast, which is called Cheap Heat. And he actually he played like a minute and a half clip, and he was I was eulogizing Eric the actor, and he goes, oh, "He died." Yeah, yo, Saif. No, I haven't been listening, but I saw onto my screen it said remembering Eric. Yeah. So, they weren't talking about it. So, so when I played the so when he played the clip afterwards, he was like, Wow, that was a really nice eulogy. I, I you know, I hope in my life I get to be eulogized on cheap heat. Like he did the same <laughs> sarcastic <laughs> shit that you could still make a shout out. Flex, why the bomb? How did the bomb come to be? People will kill me if we don't ask. Him. Oh, um, Again, Juanito, one more time. I had a bunch of sound effects. No, but it was because of the slime. No, I started to... Um, it was the first time I came... No, I came on at 7, like, for the first time, or the first week. And I kept trying a whole lot of different sound effects. But Mike Kaiser from Def Jam Records... He yelled at me today. He called me and he says... I said... I, he was saying all the. Sh- I was saying to him, "Yeah, you like the show? Show sounds good, right?" Saif, he's the guy with the glasses. Yeah, the tall guy. With black guy with glasses. <laughs> Sorry, it's one. You out. forgot him. He I did on a podcast. On Russell Simmons podcast. I forgot his he name. He randomly forgot. Yo, Kaiser. A second. A Kaiser second. came for him like Man. you wouldn't believe. Wow. <laughs> Look at Flex. He's shocked at no, you. No, also. Saif is a. I don't. I have moments. Saif gonna tell stories man. about himself. Of course. When he was at Fat Beats. Yes, everybody fucking knows if they're a real fan. You know, right? Yeah, They used to hate him for being next to me. Hey, that girl that didn't care about us left. Oh, you were right. (laughs) Whatever happened to Fat Beats? It just closed down like a year ago. Two years ago. Because they were keeping it real in there. Really real. Wait, Saif used to get hate. Wait, wait, hold on. Finish the bomb. You were coming out at 7 o'clock. And then uh, he called and he said, hey, that bomb sound... That bomb sounds good, but the bomb doesn't mean shit. What it is 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 it was just something that I wanted to express when I like something. <laughs> that's it. So it could have been whatever sound it was gonna be, but that's the sound that I picked. It was called Sonic Boom in the computer. That's what it originally Sonic was. Boom. That's what it's called. Yeah, you don't remember that? Now Maybe it's called right. Flex Bomb. At yeah, the it says Flex Bomb, but it used to be Sonic Boom. Yo, Flex, what about drops? You were, I mean, listen. You yeah, did you were, see what I put up on my Instagram the other day? The carts? Clean. I saw that. No, I didn't see Because today, so I wanted to go through and find some drops today to play. And in the computer at work, you don't have the original, like some of the original, like Old Dirty. I looked up Old Dirty, and it was like from his second album. But there's drops that you have from the original, like I wanted the first run drops. But you made drops a thing. They were always a thing for college radio and shit like that. But you made it a really big deal. And you started injecting yourself into the drops, which you invented. Play one. You got one Hi, of those? Hi, this is Whitney Houston. I'm with Funkmaster Flex Whoa, and the Big Dog Pitbulls on Hot 97, y'all. I, Whitney Houston and Funkmaster Flex, fix your face. You know what I mean? This is our town and this is our year, baby. Right, Whitney? That's right. It's going down. Yes, love. I don't know what made me think of that. I think I was just a ham, and I wanted to jump in. <laughs> I was just... You know that cypher one where they don't get gas? Yeah. What were we doing? Russell Simmons. It was, yeah, Russell Simmons. That's my and first drop he, ever. And he, I don't think he knew what you he You don't was. say. And then he said something, and I said, 
I don't remember. I said don't get gas, but there's more to that drop, though. I don't remember. You don't have the cipher. Don't get gas drop. Oh, this is Russell Simmons show with cipher sounds. Cipher don't get gas. You were just excited. No, that was it. Then you just laughed. Never was. That was it. But I used to play Russell. That was the only drop I had. So I would play. This is Russell Simmons chilling with cipher sounds. Don't get. And then I just sorry, Russ. I just now you cut it out. Yeah. Um, I used to steal, Flex, everything you said. Like how you just said the things you took from the guys. When I was 18 years old doing college radio, I mean barbecue and boogaloo, 96, no drinks. Anything you fucking said just became my vernacular. But Saif told me that 96, no drinks kind of blew up in your face. No, that wasn't good. (laughs) The girls started to get mad at me. But I stole that from somebody. Yeah. Brooklyn Mike. Brooklyn Mike. He was a comedian. Brooklyn yeah. Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was up there one day with us, and he said, "No, he said it's slow. No drinks in '96." I said, "I'm a thief." Yeah. And no. But let me be honest with you, New York. Yeah. No one can last as long as I live without being a thief. You have to be. A, <laughs> I've have seen to be flex a thief. steal. Oh, some good shit. But I tell people, don't I tell them? You're right. doing his, it right now. His flex is. Theory or philosophy, rather, is if he steals something and then half jokingly tells you that he's stealing it, then it's all good. <laughs> so he's like, "How would he use that?" <laughs> <laughs> off and running, and that's it. It's his. I told him. Um, I think the most memorable moment I have for a record that you broke—at least you broke to me—you probably took it from Safe. I don't know. East Flatbush Project, Tried no, by 12. That wasn't me. Where'd you get that one from? Salam, Do you remember the rap? You, re- you know no, the no, rap? No, just tell me how it went. Come on, Flex. What? No, you're joke. Oh, he doesn't know titles. Yeah, no, oh, no. sorry. He know sorry, titles. sorry. You want me to do it? No, can I? Can I just, like, when I used to open up a Flex, I'd be like, give story. me this record. I'd hum it. Give me this record. What record? <laughs> you know what that came from? It's years of... <laughs> You know, I always had white labels with no writing because, you know, you get a record first. So I never, I, I can't, I don't know the correct title. Of, about, by, it's about Sife, the Benjamins. Sife, if we were in the tunnel and he, you, he needed Tribe by 12, what would he say to you? Boom, 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 boom. You know that boom, one? Boom. <laughs> Sife, bastard. He tells all those stories. Now, nah, who, right? who gave you that record, though? I didn't give you that record. Which one? That, that one. You know what's really my favorite? No. You know what's my favorite record to break, um, uh, uh, to play? What's that Farrell March? Oh, I love Simon that story. Says. Simon says he told us that story recently on the podcast. What'd you say? He said that Busta yes. gave it to you. Well, I was supposed to give it to you. Listen. Busta stole my fucking Busta Rhymes called shit. me at my office and said, I got a record that I have nothing to do with. Yeah. I just think it's dope. And he may have came to the office. Yeah, I didn't. I was at work, and he, and he played it. I Piece was like, "Fam, I need this now." That's that. That was an incredible record to me. Oh, it was a moment. Do you have? Are you just? You said you realized a lot of them. A lot. You 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 didn't confuse yourself about friendships. Are there any artists out there that you would consider an actual friend? No. If I hung out with a rapper, he would yell at me. He's not your friend. Don't hang out By with the way, them. you would turn around and do the exact same thing when I got to the station. You're right. Um, <laughs> you know something? Mm. Mm. I know it's taking a long time. Uh, 
you know what? How would you decide who the friend is? I'd like invite him to your. I don't know someone wedding? who would actually be at a wedding, yeah, or you know, called you after your mom passed. Or Flex didn't even want to come to my wedding. He barely did. <laughs> no, yeah, I did. I was there. He cruised barely. In. <laughs> he came in quick. Hit a little set. Choo choo. Uh, you know, maybe I, maybe I have, I don't know, maybe I have a wrong, um, you know what, other radio people maybe, or people, not radio DJs, or, I don't know, like, not to, not to disrespect the artists of, in any way or form, rather than us get to a place where we're lying, how about we just, you know, don't invite me over, I don't want to, uh, you know, that's just me, man, I, you know, maybe I'm, you know, wrong for that. I don't but, think so. You know, I, I, I never really, the friendship, I don't know. You know, I just play the music. You know what? You know, me personally, I don't, I don't like to get too close to anybody. And I came up in an era where DJs took money to play music. And my... <laughs> I heard some of these stories. Yeah, this one. My belief is... Look, you know, Red Alert taught me if you play in the clubs and you go play and you make your money, you never have to subject yourself to doing something you don't want to do or compromising your position. And I want to be able to tell somebody your record is trash. So I don't I don't want I don't want any money. I don't want us to get cool. Don't do me any favors. You know, if you come to the club, I'm going to pay you. You know, that's me. That's what I came from because I wouldn't be standing here or here or still on the radio if I didn't make the choices of what I want to play and, and what I feel is good music, you know. And I know some people may agree with me, some people don't. Well, sometimes you were wrong, that's why. Yeah, sometimes I was. Because you said Time's Up by OC was trash. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> you sure? You sure? I like they gave you 50 copies of that record. I know I was late, but uh, you think it would have been? A, but you think it would have? I was, a, I was. But okay. like, it still wouldn't have been a hit. What times huh? up have ever been? It's a tough hit? though. It's tough. It's amazing, but it's a tough record. Tough record. You know, I should have been more fair to OC, right? I always like. Was, no, OC you were eventually. Records. OC was good. no, but the thing is, I, the thing I love about Flex, many things. The thing I love about Flex is that if he hates a record, and then when he turns the switch and loves it, he goes heavy with it. Like, he broke that record, even though at first he didn't like it. And other people played it first, but he broke it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, DJs don't mean nothing. Oh, shit. No, I wasn't going to. I was going to black out. <laughs> did you? Yeah, you, you said earlier, last thing, you did say earlier you were going to speak. Were there any rivalries with DJs that you, you did enjoy or you appreciated the feud or respected enjoy. the competition? Hmm. SNS. I like SNS. SNS is a good competitor. Um, me and Red played, you know, even before we were, we actually, we, we went to being on against each other in BLS and KISS. Then he took me in, so I was working with him. And then we went against each other again, maybe on 97 when he was still at KISS. You know, he was a tough competitor, you know. Um, who else? You know what? I... I <laughs> Let me see. Because there's a lot of bodies. I like this guy, but I'm going to tell you his name. DJ Goldfinger. Oh, yeah. I like him. And 
he had uh, he had said this. I don't know. Was it two thousand? What was the year? Because the year is important. I don't know. I'd probably been on the radio like eight years, and I think he said to somebody, and I don't know if it's true, but it got me riled up. I think he said that he was Kobe and I was Jordan, and I took such offense to that, like. And he was playing a club, Club Envy. He was going with me. Envy, yeah. He was playing a club, Club Envy. He had it off the meat rack. He was playing all the hot shit. His swag is dope. He has a great understanding of the music. I go in there a couple nights, and I'm just listening to him. So I probably went in there four weeks in a row, and I told the promoter, I want to play but I want to play with him. And um, he had backed me up for a couple of weeks. He had, uh, and then I think, I think I was, I might've been asking for three grand or something. And they were like, that's way too much. We can't do it. Then I said, uh, okay, I'll do it for $500. And they went back to him. And he said, uh, he can get on at three o'clock. I said, no, nah, I want to get on at 2. And then he said, 2.30. I said, no problem, I'm there. <laughs> and I played, I mean, he had the crown, you know, in that, in that level. And we played, I don't know, for months. But, you know, because we weren't wasting any time, the party became bigger. Not because of me, but because we're playing all this music and going hard. And I, I respect him maybe more than some because I'm a bully. And some DJs will go, you're a hater. Nah, I want to get it on. You enjoy the sport of it. But yeah, I want to play together with you. I want the people to decide who's better. Like, let's do it. And then, um, but Goldfinger understood that. And he... I used to buy records from him when he worked in the record store. Like, I could tell he respected me, but he made a decision that I ain't going to let this nigga pass me. And I was like, I ain't going to let this new nigga fucking take me out the game. And Well, the good news is, is that you have that respect for him. The bad news is you passed him. Well, wait, but I like the guy. But I think he gave up. I think, but he, he didn't give up because he lost. It was a draw. I, like, like it was like we really had the party rocking, and then I think I started to get the club after that. But you know, that's that's my thing, man. You know, like when if you, I, I like a good challenge. I like being on the radio. I worked hard. I had I didn't have shit, and I ain't ready to nobody to take it from me. Can you can you envision can you envision not being on the radio? Is that ever gonna? Uh, abs- oh shit! It's my boss here. Yeah? <laughs> Absolutely. Just at you like. Waiting I mean, for your slot. I, like, I still I like, want that slot. I like that digital space. I like, uh, you know, I like the webs and the apps, and uh, I like the websites. I like building them. That excites me. It gives me uh, excitement. This sneaker store that I'm opening is exciting me. It's I, I got that feel again. Like, do you have a date for Planet Kicks officially? Um, looks like All Star Weekend. All Star Weekend. I thought it was gonna be sooner than that. Right. I was ready. Well, you know, it gets it gets crazy out here. And you're gonna sell some records in there too, right? Vinyl. Uh, I can tell you, I've already talked to Sugar Hill, uh, Sugar Hill Records about doing some reissues. I talked to Profile Records. I talked to like 
You know, we're going to have some classic vinyl in there. We're going to have uh, 70% sneakers, a lot of, you know, streetwear, as well as, uh, you know, if anybody knows what rock and soul, I mean, was when we were a kid, this is, this is it on steroids. Wow. That's what this is going to be. All right, well, Planet Kicks coming soon. So if you have anything to say, we got to wrap this thing up, man. I mean, we got, you know, 30% of the way. I'm good. Nothing else to add? Nah. Oh, that was a letdown. Did you hey, want, guys. Did you want something specific? or No, no, not in particular. Um, I want to thank Funkmaster Flex for doing this with us tonight yeah. in New York. This was good. I want to uh, thank Peter Rosenberg for putting all this together, man, because this guy oh, thank you. is fucking good. Yes. We were, fit, we were stressing on who to get for this. Well, it was so stupid. We were sitting there like, we should get blah, 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 blah. We should. And then we remembered what happened with Angie. Yeah. We were going to do the Angie fucking Juan Epstein forever. We were yeah. shooting the TV nah, show. We'll do it next week. She's here. We'll we'll do, do where's it next she going? Week. Where's she going? We're doing next week. And then she fucking left. And then she fucking left. So then we were like, you know what? We're getting this Funk Flex shit in the can before he opens up some fucking store on, you know, the, on, moon, on the moon or something and disappears to a Bolivian, as Mike Tyson would say. So um, I just, it's been, it's been um, you know, Flex and I know each other through work. We don't know each other super duper well. I come up, I, when I first came up to the station, he really embraced me when I came up. Um, and I sat in. Sorry. What? I was, hand, I was handling you a little bit. No. All right. Not in the beginning. No. Not right away. No, you were. No, he no, was. You never handled him. No, yeah, you did. Oh, he, he did? Yeah. What did he do? You were there. Oh, yeah. No, he never handled. I felt he, he was very welcome when I came up there. I think I know there have been times when I can tell. If I'm not doing enough for Flex, like just like what he said, that he wasn't doing enough to like earn his keep, I can tell if there are times that he thinks I'm not moving enough and you know pushing for the brand and and doing my part. But I do, I try. Um, but it's an I have to say it is like my family knows it's like one of the great honors of my life that I got to do this and be your coworker. This has been an incredible experience. So to get to have this sit down interview and for you the real fans who wanted to hear this fucking history. It's an honor that y'all came out. So one more time for the, one of the greatest to ever yeah. do it. Thank you. Funkmaster Flex. Thank you, man. I listen to a rap with uh, Funkmaster Flex. I listen to Funkmaster Flex every night like clockwork when I have my sex. Oh, dear. That's the truth. I don't lie. I listen to uh, Hot 97. <laughs> Come on, Funkmaster. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.